0: And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org.
1: I'm kind of uh, excited about this series. We're kind of stepping into a new series for this month called Regifting Christmas. And um, this is a series that um, a week ago was not on the radar that uh, Monday, I began to sense the Holy Spirit kind of um, kind of leading me to to take a pivot for the series, and um, so I'm excited about this because I believe that God's laid it on the heart, and I believe it's for us in uh, this season. Um, I don't know about you, but one of the things about Christmas time that that uh, uh, that we kind of navigate in our house is Christmas time when it, uh, this time of the year, there's a lot of things that we like, would like to have. Like, there's a lot of things that we we would want. Um, but have you ever stopped to think about what would God want? Like, there's things that we would want for Christmas, but have you ever stopped to think about what would God want from us this Christmas? I think it's an interesting question, and we're going to unpack that over the next several weeks. Uh, this idea of regifting um, kind of has a negative connotation uh, it's all about um, getting a gift that you don't really like or want, right? And you kind of stick it in the closet for a year or so, and then you look for opportunities to give that gift to somebody else as if you invested money and thought behind it. Um, and uh, I don't know if you knew this, but um, this kind of idea, the, the word regifting originates from a Seinfeld episode. Back in the mid-90s, and so that's where we kind of get this idea, this word or phrase, re-gifting. I'm sure it's been something that has been done for centuries and centuries, but I want us to look at the idea of re-gifting in this series, not from a negative connotation, but from a positive one. And I want us to take a look at all that God has done for us, and what would it look like for us if we gave back to Him in the way that we lived our lives? So I want to talk about today, I want to talk a little bit about our perspective. And uh, some of what I'm going to talk to you, what I'm going to share with you has come from somebody that has had a, a huge influence in my life. Uh, he has no idea who I am, um, but many of his books and his uh, teachings have really influenced me. His name's Dr. John Maxwell. And uh, if you've not had a chance to read some of his books, I would encourage you to, to do that. So today I want to talk to you from... Uh, from the title, Regifting Our Stuff. Regifting Our Stuff. Well, would you pray with me today? Let's, uh, let's pray and prepare our hearts. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's say, uh, let's say you and I decided that we wanted to go grab a cup of coffee and we sat down at a table and we were drinking some coffee and you you asked me this question you said Ryan what is what's the most important thing about life in order to experience God's best you know I think the first thing that I would probably say with that the most important thing would be to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and and I'm going to talk more about that um, at our Christmas Eve service, and I'll talk about that at the end of the service, but we're going to have a Christmas Eve service this year, and we're excited about that. But I would talk a little bit on that most important thing, like it would be about our relationship with God, and it would be more than just a, a prayer, more than just kind of raising a hand and, and repeating a prayer, but it would be more about a full surrender of our life to the leading of the Holy Spirit where God is the one that begins to call the shots in our life, not us calling the shots in our life and and believing for God when things get difficult. And so we'd be sitting there, we'd have a cup of coffee. And so I would share that. If you said, Ryan, what's the second most important thing to experiencing God's best in my life? I would tell you this, that it would be our perspective of our stuff. How we perceive, how we look at the things that That God has blessed us with. There's a scripture that um, you've heard of in Proverbs chapter 23, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I think what we understand about that verse is that how we view things determines how we're going to do things. But How we view things in life is going to determine how we do things in life. And this past week, I came across kind of something Something kind of funny um, to help us better understand uh, perspective and the importance of of perspective. I want to I want to read to you. Um, I want to read to you some excerpts from a dog's diary, and then I want to read you some excerpts from a cat's diary. And so, if you have any cats, just go easy. Like this is all about fun, right? Don't get offended. But uh, excerpts. From a dog's diary. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30, car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., got petted, my favorite thing. Noon lunch, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing 3 p.m. wagged my tail my favorite thing 5 p.m. milk bones my favorite thing 7 p.m. played fetch my favorite thing 8 p.m. tv with the people my favorite thing and then 11 p.m. sleep on the bed my favorite thing Excerpts from A Cat's Diary. (laughs) Day 983 of my captivity. (laughs) My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangly objects. And the only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. (laughs) Perspective. Perspective is everything. And Jesus helps us, Jesus helps us kind of see the importance of our perspective of things in Luke chapter 10. If you got your Bibles, turn with me there. There's a story in Luke chapter 10 about the good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is a story that, um, is very well known that, that even if you don't really go to church, uh, that much, that you've probably heard of this, 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 um, idea of the Good Samaritan. And it's a story that was told by, by Jesus when he had this Jewish lawyer come up to him and try to trick him and have this conversation about eternal life. And it's in this dialogue between Jesus and this, This Jewish um, lawyer that in this dialogue that, that a statement is made that you've probably heard before, the statement, loving your neighbor as yourself, right? We've, we've, whether we've been in church or not, we've kind of, we've kind of heard that phrase before about loving your neighbor as yourself. And so the lawyer asks this question of Jesus. He says, well, well, Jesus, who is, who's my neighbor? Like, who is the person that I'm supposed to love like I love myself? Now, Jesus does what Jesus does. Like like if you look at, at the Gospels, like he rarely ever answers the question that's being asked, right? Jesus then begins to give the story, and the story is of the Good Samaritan. And I want us to read uh, that together today. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now this this journey from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho is not an, uh, an easy one and it's not a safe one. We're talking about some 17 miles through mountains. We're talking about 3,300 feet of elevation change. Um, I mean, they did not have the ability to call my man Nick Sandals uh, to arrange an Uber ride uh, from one destination to another because he wasn't born yet. And uh, and so they had to navigate this path. Um, this path was known in those days as the bloody way. That's a good name of a, of a journey you gotta take, right? The Bloody Way. And the reason why it was known as the Bloody Way is because, uh, robbers would wreak havoc. They would hide along the sides of the roads and around the, the corners and the crevices of the rock. And so as you begin to, to walk, they would jump out and, 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 and harm you and rob you. And so Jesus is telling this story of this man. They said, he said that, that they stripped him, the robbers, of his clothes. They beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. Now, I want you to watch this in verse 31. It says, A priest happened to to be going down the road, the same road, and when he saw the man, and if you got your Bible or you're taking notes, circle that word saw. I'm going to come back to that here in just a minute. But he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. So a priest walking down the road sees this man that's half dead, beaten up, has no clothes on, sees him and chooses to go to the other side of the road and to continue walking. All right, you picturing that. All right, next verse, verse 32. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, sees the man and decides to pass by on the other side. So we've got two men that see the need... But didn't do anything about it. Verse 33 But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw, right, circle that word saw, saw him, he took pity on him. Another translation says his heart, that his heart went out to him. Verse 34, that he went to him and he bandaged, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. A denarii one was equal to a day's wage. So, So this this good Samaritan takes money out of his own pocket, a couple days' uh, worth of wages. Notice that he doesn't give it to the individual that is in a, a difficult position and spot. He gives it to somebody that can make a change. He gives it to somebody that can make a difference in this man's life. And here's what it says that that um, uh, he says, the Samaritan says, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So not only is he giving him a couple days wages, but he's also saying, listen, if I get back and it's costing you more to help this guy out, let me know and I'll take care of it. And then Jesus stops the story and he asks this Jewish lawyer a a really provoking question. In verse 36, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Like, which one do you think, out of, out of those three, which one do you think was a neighbor? And in verse 37, it says that the expert in the law replied, the Jewish lawyer said, the one who had mercy on him. Now, this word mercy in the original language, um, it implies the mercy that you and I experience when we receive the sacrifice of Jesus we talked uh, uh, we received communion together that represented that sacrifice this word mercy in the original language is it implies that kind of salvation type experience that you and i received where we didn't deserve it but it was freely given to us and this idea that it's that kind of mercy that this good samaritan had on this man that was beaten and about to die it was the kind of mercy on him that had the potential to change his life. And look what Jesus' command is. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Like go and live that kind of life, not the kind of life that sees the need and walks the other way, but the kind of life that sees the need and and goes above and beyond to make a difference in their life, the kind of difference that could change them for eternity. In the story, we see, we see three of four perspectives that, that I think people have, um, on their possessions, on their stuff. And I want to share those with you today. The first perspective that we see in the story is the perspective of the robbers. And here's the perspective that the robbers had. What is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. What is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Now, now, most of our knee-jerk reaction is going to be to dismiss this because, um, because we think, well, that's just, I mean, that's, that's a bad person right there. But, you know, if you really think about it, like, there's a little more robber in us than, than we might realize. Like, if you think about the, the parallel between, or the similarities between um, the robber and the perspective and that of a toddler, <laughs> they're eerily similar. Like, like, think about a toddler. Here's, here's kind of a toddler's perspective if I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine, right? If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, that's yours. (laughs) I mean, that's the toddler perspective, and you can kind of see some similarities about how sometimes we have a little robber in us that what is yours is mine, and and I want to take it. The second perspective that we see is the perspective of the priest and the Levite, and their perspective is this, what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it, All right? What is mine is mine. I'm going to see a need, but I'm going to keep what is mine. I'm going to keep it. And both of these guys, the priest and the Levite, they, these are the religious people of that day. And so they kind of, in a, in a, in a sense, they could represent, um, Christians who, who see a need. They see somebody in this situation that's in bad shape and they choose not to do anything about it. It could, it could be similar to those of us that see a need and choose not to do anything about it 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 kind of remind me this week of um this this story that i heard about a father and a son and and the son loved mcdonald's french fries i mean how can you not love mcdonald's french fries they're just something like when they're warm and they got the salt and you kind of bite in yeah and and so so the father and the son they go to mcdonald's right And the father buys a large fry for his son and they sit down at the table and and the son begins to to eat the fries. And, and, And the father, as the son's eating the fries, the father's beginning to smell the fries and see the fries. And so the father decides... Hey, I wouldn't mind having a couple of those fries myself. And so the father reaches over, grabs a few of the fries and begins to put the fries in his mouth. And the son slaps his hand away and says, Dad, those are my fries. And in the story, the, the father, there's three things that came across the father's mind in that moment. The first one was, is he obviously doesn't understand where these fries come from, right? He don't know where the fries come from. The father's like, I'm the one that spent my hard-earned money on these fries. Like, I am the source of the fries. The second thing that came across um, this father's mind in the moment is he obviously doesn't understand that I can take those fries from him whenever I want. Like the father actually thought, like, I could even bury him in those fries. Like I could go to the counter and I could buy a hundred large fries and I could come back and bury him in fries. And so the father said, "Yes." Yeah, somebody said, "Amen." like that would be a good day. And so the father's thinking, like, I could, I could give the fries or I could take the fries away. And then the third thing that the father thought is he doesn't understand that I don't need his fries. Like I could go to the counter and I could buy my own fries. But what stung the father the most about the fact that his son would slap his hand away and not even share any of the fries is the father thought, man, how how amazing would it be That I could sit down at the table with my son and we could share these fries together. You know, it doesn't take take a rocket scientist to to recognize that sometimes the way that we live our life and the perspective that we have on, on our stuff can be a lot like this young man, a lot like this son. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 verse 25... He said, if you try to hang on to your life, what are you going to do? You're going to lose it. He said, but if you give up your life for my sake, what's going to happen? You're going to save it. You see, you and I, and this is the journey that we're all on, that you and I have two ways that we can live our life. We can live our life in a selfish way, or we could live our life in a way that makes a significant difference in the lives of others. The reality is, is we can't do both. We're either going to live a selfish life or we're going to live a significant life. But it's impossible for us to do those both at the same time. The third perspective that we see in this this story is the perspective of the Good Samaritan. And here's the perspective of that good Samaritan. What is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. So we start to see kind of a shift. Now we start to see a little bit of heart. What is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. You may remember I had mentioned about that word saw, that all three of them, it says in the Bible, that all three of them saw the need. And I think that Jesus... I think Jesus was intentional to help us recognize that all three of them saw the need, but only one person responded to the need. You see, the difference between the two that saw the need and walked to the other side and the one that saw the need and did something about it was that the two that walked the other way, they had an earthly perspective. Like their perspective, the lens that they viewed everything in life through that lens was this question here, how will this affect me? That's the earthly perspective. We look at everything in our life, all of our stuff, everything that we do through the lens of how is this going to affect me? And that that earthly perspective is a perspective, a way of living that doesn't want to be inconvenienced, right? Like don't don't inconvenience me with anything. Like I'm gonna kind of do my thing, and I'm a, I'm gonna kind of, kind of do what I want to do. Kind of got my own dreams, my own goals, my my own hopes in life, and and I love you, Lord. But but this is what I'm gonna focus on right here. That's the lens that we look through, and then, and then we see the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan um, had an eternal perspective. The Good Samaritan, the lens that he looked through as he looked at everything in life, was the lens of this. How will this affect them? So the earthly is, how is this going to affect me? Right? The eternal one is, how is this going to affect them? How is this going to make a difference? And their life. How is this going to make a difference in that lost person's life? And if you think about it, what would have happened if that good Samaritan chose to do what the other two did, see a need and walk the other way? The guy would have died. And so this idea of an eternal perspective is recognizing that there's people that we are past cross with every single week. That if we don't do something about it, if we don't see a need and respond to a need, if we turn and we go the other way, that their eternal life could be in danger. Jesus was saying in Matthew 16, in essence, he was saying this, that the person who really loses in life is what? It's the person that tries to hold on to life. Like, if we want to win in life, then we've got to let go of life. But if we want to lose in life, the person that loses is the one that decides to hold on to it. And then we see this fourth perspective. And this perspective isn't in the story. And it's a perspective that, that really will stretch. Um, it'll stretch all of us. It's a, it's, a, it's a challenge. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm up for the challenge. Tell your neighbor, I'm up for the challenge. Like I can see like 80% of you are like, I ain't praying, saying that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just teasing. This one right here will, could radically change your life if you will begin to shift your perspective. I think of that prayer that we pray at the beginning of the service, that the Lord would give us the courage to respond. And this is the point that we need the courage to respond if we want to to live the kind of life that God has called us to live. Here it is, this perspective. What is mine? Well, it's not mine. And I'm gonna manage it. What is mine? It's it's, It's really not mine. And I'm gonna manage it i may to give you a moment if you're taking notes to jot that down and it's kind of a side thing here, but, um, I got a friend that's in town, um, tonight and, um, I want to take him out to dinner, but, uh, Andrea's in Disney with some friends from Washington. She had an opportunity to go and kind of hang out with him for a couple days. And, um, I left my wallet in her car. Um, so I I need a hundred dollars to take my friend out of somebody. Oh, uh, i have a hundred dollars. Oh, Mike, thank you, man. Thank you. Jeez. You saved me. You saved me. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry guys. Um you're thinking, what in the world's going on right now? Um, some of you feeling guilty, like I you should have got up and give me a hundred dollars. I'll give you a second if uh <laughs> The reason why Mike brought me the $100, the reason why he was kind of quick to come up and do that is, well, before the service, I gave him $100. <laughs> I said, I said, Mike, please, when I say I need $100, please bring me back my $100. <laughs> you know why he brought the $100 back? because he recognized it wasn't his. What a perspective. What a kingdom perspective that what is mine is not mine. And I'm going to manage it. I've never seen one person look at their life through that perspective and hold back What God wants them to let go of. You know, the reason why Mike was able to bring me that hundred is because it's not hard to let go when you know that it's not yours. That you and I have a choice in our life, we have a choice to live our life from an earthly perspective where everything that we look at in life is how does this affect me? Or we have an opportunity to look from an eternal perspective of how does this affect them? And I believe like when you think about the question that the Lord prompted on my heart on Monday of what he wants this year for Christmas. I believe God wants us to make some room in our heart with our stuff I believe He wants us to live with eternal perspective that what I have it's not mine that what I have is His and my responsibility as a follower of Christ who has received the most amazing gift that we could ever receive the gift of eternal life that my job as his follower is not to hold on to my life but it's to let go it's to make some room would you bow your head with me today Father we love you and Lord we recognize that how we see things is how we do things and in this month as you are leading us to have a conversation about, Lord, in response of all that you've given to us, Lord, what we could give back to you through the way that we live our lives. Lord, give us the courage to make room for you. Lord, whatever you want to do, Lord, that, God, we can make room for you.
0: We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek him first in all of your life.